Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Id, Ego, and Us. I'm Shreya. I'm Julia. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about thread, time, transmission, and thoughts. And you guessed it, Food for Thought is coming back after we skipped it last episode. Um, Some other segments that we have are Greek mythology, where Julia will be talking about the fates, a new segment, Hindsight, where we talk about historical segments, and another new segment, Would You Rather, where we pick some fun Would You Rather questions and discuss what we'd rather do. Uh, So let's get right into our first segment, Greek mythology. Today's Greek mythology segment is about the fates. The fates are triad of goddesses who determine human and demigod destinies. So if you've read the Percy Jackson series, they're mentioned a few times, and I think Percy even gets to meet them. In ancient Greece, they were referred to as the Morai, and they essentially controlled multiple aspects of human life, including lifespan, destiny, and essentially the amount of karma they would receive in life. On multiple occasions, the fates have been personified as three old women who spin the threads of human destiny, and as per 8th century beliefs, their names were Clotho, meaning the spinner, Lachesis, meaning the allotter, and Atropis, meaning the inflexible. In accordance with their names, Clotho would spin the threads of human life, symbolized by an actual spool of thread, Lachesis would dispense it, and Atropis would cut the thread, therefore ending that human's life. In the much older myths, these goddesses were the daughters of Nyx, who came before even the Titans as the daughter of Gaia, and she was the personification of night. She was said to have lived in Tartarus, and in the succeeding myths, they were more often portrayed as the offspring of the god Zeus and the Titan Themith. Regardless of their parentage, they held immense power, and not even Zeus could recall one of their decisions, so if they decided that someone was to die, then that was what ha- would happen to that person. Sometimes each of the fates was said to represent a different time period, meaning the past, present, and future, each relating to Atropus, Clotho, or Lachesis in concurrent order to which I stated them in. As for their physical descriptions, the appearance of the fates really depended on the medium with which they were depicted. In visual arts, such as statues, paintings, things like that, they were made out to be very beautiful women, but then when it came to literature, they were written as flat-out old and ugly, so it really depended on who was writing it or creating this and what they were doing that with. The fates don't actually appear in the myths very often in the first place, uh, but they are usually said to have been at the births of both mortals and gods, Uh, but they rarely intervene in any noticeable plot-twisting way, they just sit back in and spin their threads. One example of this when this is not true is in the tale of Melinger. His detailed story isn't exactly relevant, but essentially, upon his birth, the fates informed his mother that he would live until a log sitting in their hearth had burned completely to ashes. This was the only time they ever sp- that, that they ever spoke to a mortal. His mother pulled the log from the flames and kept it stored away for years to come so that he wouldn't die. But when Melinger murdered his uncles, meaning his mother's brothers, she became so angry that she threw it into the fire, killing her son. Afterwards, she did the same with herself out of grievance. So, although they don't intervene often, when they do, it seems to be very purposeful and somewhat cunning. That being said, let's move on to hindsight, where she is going to tell us a little bit about the fate spun for 13th century Europe.
into hindsight, as I mentioned before, this is where we talk about historical uh, historical events. Um, so today's topic is the Black Death or the bubonic plague. So I'll probably I'll mention all the names. So it's called the Black Death or the bubonic plague or the pestilence. The pestilence is actually what it was called um, during the Middle Ages when it actually happened, and the Black Death. Um, is like a less formal name. So the pestilence and black death are a little bit less formal and less scientific. And then bubonic plague, of course, is formal and scientific. Uh, It is important to note that this is a bacterial disease. So it's not a virus or a chronic disease. It is a uh, it is it is a disease that is spread by bacteria. So this disease was first introduced when ships from the Black Sea had set sail to the town of Messina. Even during the voyage, sailors had been dying as a result of contracting the disease, and it spread throughout the Middle East as well as Europe following the Mongol invasions. Depending on the location, one-third or two-thirds of the population was killed. Uh, For example, 35 million people in China died. There were as many deaths from the Black Death as there were from World War I and World War II combined. So most of the people that died were laborers, so they left their families in poverty. Uh, The people's living conditions played a big role in how the Black Death originated. Uh, it, it, It was spread by fleas carried by rats, and these fleas were called the Oriental Rat Fleas. The plague initially appeared in the fall of 1347 when ships departed from the Black Sea to go to Messina. During the journey, the crew had been dying from the plague. It spread approximately three miles per day. Since the Europeans had hardly any experience or knowledge about the plague, they were tremendously unprepared. This, combined with the terrifying contagiousness of the plague, caused it to spread very quickly and very far, and people started living in seclusion. The rich even moved to different towns. Additionally, the plague developed really, really fast. Uh, Symptoms could appear in just a few hours. During the rate of transmission and Europe's unpreparedness, society was never the same again, even after the plague had diminished. Europe could not recover from many years. This is because a large part of the population was wiped, mostly peasants because of their terrible living conditions, and this shifted the balance of the social classes. There were fewer peasants, and this meant that they had much more control in the economy. Their income also increased because there was more competition for jobs and there was more money to be offered. Feudalism and serfdom were becoming less popular, leading to people of lower ranks slowly taking more political power. So there is a lot to say about feudalism, but that is uh, that is a topic for another time. Maybe in the upcoming uh, episode, we might include it. But for now, I'm just going to say that it was a social system that was used in the Middle Ages. So back to the Black Death. Many believed that the plague was God's punishment to them. Uh, They believed that it was because they committed sins and therefore God was punishing them by sending out this disease. So they began questioning their decisions and they beat themselves, like literally beat themselves until they were bleeding to get rid of their sins. Uh, Some Christians also believed that the Jewish people had caused the plague and so they massacred these uh, Jews, which is interesting because they were worried that they were they were committing sins and ended up committing the biggest sin of all, murder. So they, for to some extent, they blamed themselves 
and they also blamed the Jews. So, but no one really figured out that it was from the rats or that there was like a more scientific approach to this. Um, you can see that the people during the Middle Ages were really, really religious, but we start to see the more scientific thinking um, during the Renaissance. So that is probably going to be another topic for a later episode. So just some things to look out for. We do have a lot of things planned. Um, and I believe that that is, that is the end of the segment. Um, and now we will move on to our Would You Rather segment. See you there. Welcome to Would You Rather. So as Sherry told us earlier, this is a new segment. We're basically just going to be answering some Would You Rather questions. So today's first question is, would you rather know how the world began or how it will end? And we haven't had much time to think about this, but uh, right off the bat, my answer would be, how the world began uh just because there's so many different theories as to why it began and nobody really knows if it's true and nobody which one's true and nobody not like there's no general consensus of this is what happened and i feel like there was that would just be an answer that would put so many people at peace and i don't know i just wouldn't want to know how the world would end i think it would affect the way that i'm living now much more than knowing how it would be how it began and i wouldn't want to change the way that i behave just for that reason i'm still thinking about it though shreya do you have any input yes i do have some input um whenever as soon as you like said the question my mind immediately went to the big bang theory and how there was like this condensed ball and then it expanded and then all these um materials came together to form planets but i think i'm gonna have to disagree with you on knowing how it began because i think we have a pretty good idea of how it began and like i remember uh someone told me that the universe is still expanding you know and when we backtrack we know that at some point it had to be some condensed form of something like a condensed uh, energy form and so related to that so we know how it began but i think it's interesting to know how it will end because one it'll it'll probably inevitable so like if we like let's say it ends because of a meteor hitting hitting earth right and we can, it it's something that we necessarily can't stop um or like some kind of outbreak of a disease and that's how the world will end it has to be inevitable because there's nothing that we can do in order to stop the end of the world we can certainly try but whatever is fate you know has to happen so i think it'll be interesting but it'll also be really upsetting to know how the world will end because we'll know how it ends but we can't stop it from happening because it's not like there are options to choose from i think i'm just going off on a tangent here but there it's not like if one um end of the world is prevented 
then we just switch to the next one. I don't think it works like that. Like there is one end of the world and no matter how hard you try to prevent that, it's gonna happen, it's inevitable. And that's why, that's the upsetting part. We know how it ends, but we can't necessarily do anything about it. Um, we can prepare ourselves for it. Um, and I do like what you said about changing your current behavior to uh, if you know how it uh, how the world ends. But I think that's also helpful because you know this. If we know how the world will end, maybe some people uh, will will be humane and I don't know develop compassion and like actually get into order. Because um, I know that a lot of people there. I'm not saying this is bad, but they're just living for that one day you know they're having a good time and maybe knowing how the world will end will really get them thinking about oh so i i have to think about my future like there are things that are going to happen i need to be prepared so i think that it will raise awareness of and like raise awareness of how we are living and it's also going to get people thinking about oh uh, how how valuable is life you know if the world is ending and you know how it will end I think that's when you realize oh we really need to cherish this time that we have we need to make the most of it uh, so I think I'm gonna say I want to know how it will end okay so I've thought about it and I was uh, listening to you and thinking about the way that you interpreted the question and realized that it was completely different from the way that I had initially read it but I do agree with yours more. So what I had first read was, would you rather know how the, and I read, well, it's would you rather know how the world began or how it will end? And I read world as human life and people in general and how it will end, meaning what happens after death. And personally, I was thinking about the way that you said it and you, I think what you were saying is how the universe began and how the universe will end. And I think that makes much more sense um, when reading, rereading the question. And in that case, I do agree with what you're saying. And especially because we have a much stronger grasp of how the universe was formed than how it will end because it hasn't ended and it has begun, obviously. Uh, but as for what you said about how will it will affect the way that you live? Um, what I said earlier was that I wouldn't want to know the end because of the way that it would affect how I am as a person now. And you made a valid point about if we knew how it would end, then people might act better and they might be better people. But knowing how the world will end is, um, well, it sort of relates to what happens after death. And... A lot of compassion comes from this idea that if you aren't a good person, then you won't come to a good ending. And so what if it turns out that there, this isn't true and that the end is simply the end? Uh, I personally don't believe that, but if that were to be the case, I think people would uh, might take a turn for the worse. You know, if there's no repercussions to being a bad person, then why not? This uh, sort of idea that I don't have to be good if it's not going to affect me. Uh, but as for the world beginning and the world ending, I agree with you now that I would like to know how the world would end, uh, despite the fact that it might be slightly depressing. Alright, so I have nothing else to say. I think I've made my point. Um, I think you've made your point. Both of them, very valid. Uh, let's move on to our next question now, and I think I'm going to say it. 
Would you rather be stuck on an island for all eternity, all on your own, or with someone you hate? And I'm going to start off this one because I think it's really interesting. So I don't think I actually hate anyone. Um, There are some people that come to mind that I very mildly dislike, but I don't think I hate anyone. So I think I'm going to go with that option because um, it's mostly because I wouldn't want to pick the other option. Uh, I am a people person, meaning that I need to be around other people. I need to constantly socialize and being all on my own is just a nightmare um and even just having someone else even if i don't like them i think that would still be better than me just being all by myself um and who knows if we're stuck on an island for all eternity and we need to figure out how to survive maybe maybe we'll become friends you know uh at the at the risk of life or death Maybe we'll bond and work together and, you know, forage for food and build a raft maybe because teamwork, right? And so I I can't imagine being stuck on an island all by myself. Like, I'm going to say it again. I'm only choosing with someone you hate because I I, I can't comprehend the other option. I just, being alone, to me at least, is... Uh, is a nightmare. Um, now, being alone for all eternity is different than being alone, like, normally. Like, I, I do work. I sit by myself and do my work. That's, that's for focus, right? But, like, all eternity on an island, yeah, that's just not going to work for me. Um, so, yes, I'm going to say with someone I hate. So, Julia, do you have anything to say? Of course you do, but it's your turn now. <laughs> I definitely do. Um, I agree with your choice. I would pick someone I hate, um, but I think it's for completely different reasons. Uh, I I was listening to what you said about uh, maybe you can form a relationship with this person and become good friends and form this alliance, and I like that you said that. It's a very good idea. Um, I just found it funny because I didn't even think of that. I was just like, okay, I hate them. That's fine. They can take their side of the island, and I will take mine, and I'm staying as far away from them as possible. But that is actually a very good, um, a very good idea that you can form this relationship with that person. But as for why I chose someone you hate, um, well, I don't know if there, uh, there's any per- people that I hate, but assuming that there is, um, what you call it, I think that you're more likely to go completely mad from isolation and loneliness and hallucinations than you are, um, from. I don't know, natural causes, if you have all of the resources that you need and you have survival capabilities, I'm assuming operating on the assumption that you do, uh, then the only factor that could kill you besides, uh, say, inability to survive is, like, inability to have these survivors, survival skills like building shelter, finding food, would be loneliness. And so I feel like if it's someone you hate, regardless of that fact, at least you'll be able to prevent that outcome and uh i immediately thought of the movie castaways and how he made friends with that i think it was was it a tennis ball or a volleyball um and he named it wilson and i i i really hope that (laughs) if i were uh stuck on an island for all of eternity i never came to that point i'd rather be stuck with someone i hate than uh befriend a volleyball and uh whatchamacallit 
being stuck with someone you hate, you could always just stay away from them. Like, you know, this is an entire island, and regardless of how big it is, you could just split the island in half and stay away from them. Or, as Shreya said earlier, become friends and form this relationship. Uh, I think since we've agreed, that's all we have to say about this would you rather question, unless Shreya has something else to say. I do have something else to say, and it's actually a question. So your your reasoning is that you can just take separate sides of the island, you know, and like just live as far away from each other as you can. But I, I don't think that makes sense. Why would you pick the one where you hate when you're going to live on your own anyways? Why can't you just pick on your own? I wasn't thinking it so much as... Uh, I'm never ever gonna see you. Stay away from me forever, please. I was thinking of it more as uh, I'm going to avoid you because I don't like you, but if I need someone to talk to, at least I have that option. Like, if I begin to go crazy, I know that I can go to this person, but I don't really want to. <laughs> you know? Does that make sense? Uh, I, I, it makes <laughs> sense, but I just, I don't think that's justifiable. It, it is you you either talk to them or you live on your own well those weren't the options um i think that's the that is the option with someone you hate or on yourself i disagree by yourself i disagree there's a loophole to every question okay agree agree to disagree agree Agree to disagree. disagree um on that note on that note let's go to food for thought Okay, last and final segment, food for thought. Today's question is, why don't we, as a species, take more advantage of the fact that we have almost infinite knowledge available to us? I'm going to repeat the question. Why don't we, as a species, take more advantage of the fact that we have almost infinite knowledge available to us? This is really fun. I'm going to start it off. I say that we don't take advantage of all of this knowledge because I think ignorance is bliss, honestly. As you learn more things, you are more stressed. You know, like, uh, I remember when I was younger, I, I'm i just using grades as an example because that's the first thing that comes to mind. But uh, when at, like, elementary school, I wasn't aware of the whole grading system. Like, we had report cards, and they were just, like, letter grades. And those were those were easy. You barely had to put in any effort to do well in elementary school. But then middle school, it was a little bit more competition. And like we started having the honor roll. So as you grow up, you learn these new things. And like in middle school, I had to learn about like the GPA and actual number grades. And then learn about the honor roll and that there's like actual competition here there are other people that you need to compete with in order to thrive in this world so i think that if if we learn more things it's just a lot to process sometimes and it is sometimes stressful even so um let's say we know as a group like as a society everything there is to know about the world about the universe, about all life. That is a burden more than more than a 
like an actual beneficial factor. Um, I'm and burden is a heavy word, but I think it, I think it describes how I feel about this, this topic. Um, Julia, do you have anything to say? Yeah, uh, I'm hear what you're saying uh, about ignorance is bliss, and I kind of want to touch on that. But first, I'd like to say that my first thoughts were. Uh, as for us not taking advantage of the fact that we have almost infinite knowledge available to us, uh, my first thoughts were either laziness, because uh, we do have all this knowledge available to us, but it does take a certain amount of effort to uh, to take in all of this knowledge and to dedicate yourself to learning as opposed to having fun. Or uh, fear was my other option, because I don't know what... I. I personally, personally don't have a reason to be, but I'm sure that there are people afraid of knowing everything because once you know everything, what more is there to learn? What is the point of a living if there's nothing else to learn, you know? Uh, as for uh, ignorance is bliss, I see what you're saying and how before we knew all of these things about school and about life, it was uh, not that we by any means know much about life, uh, but before we knew what we do know, it was much easier to just live life. But uh, I don't think ignorance is bliss in all scenarios because, um, well, for example, say you're driving a car and you've miraculously, miraculously received a license without knowing how to operate a car. So you're aware that there are other pedals of the car, but you don't know how to use anything but the accelerator. Well, the brake is right there, but you've chosen to remain ignorant to its existence, and now you've wound up in an accident. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, in this scenario, ignorance would not be bliss, because uh, by remaining ignorant, you are getting yourself uh, in this sort of situation. So... I'm not really sure that I would say ignorance is bliss and that I, if I would use that as a reason, but I do see what you're saying that in relation to our lives, how uh, being, remaining ignorant would maybe would have been uh, the better option, but I, I don't, obviously I don't think it is and I don't think you'd think so either. Uh, but yeah, that's what I think, that maybe laziness, maybe fear and... Uh, I do somewhat agree to what you're saying with what you're saying about ignorance is bliss, but I don't think it would apply to all situations. You know, that is also something that um, I'm thinking about now that you said it. I think you made a very good point. I do like what you said. So I guess that ends the segment as well as the episode. I would like to thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to share this with your friends and even your enemies. Um... Follow us on Twitter, and remember, new episodes every Sunday at 2 p.m. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode. This has been It, Ego, and Us. Mm -hmm.